0: Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham pod from down under. This week we're taking another bite of the cherry and hoping to come up trumps in what could already be called a six-pointer even at this early stage of the season. Can Fulham bounce back from a couple of disappointing results or is this the beginning of a slippery slope? I'm joined tonight again by Elton. Elton, how are we going?
1: Very good, thank you very much.
0: And Sam, very dark on the screen here, Sammy. How are you going? Are you Are sitting in the... Still in the depths of despair after the last two games?
2: Yeah, and I'm also really tired too.
0: So a a recurring theme. Mm -hmm. I need to get a few Red Bulls in you before some of these podcasts, I think. Or we could do it at an earlier time. (laughs) (laughs) Please, no. Or just move to a better city, Sam, and then we'll be fine. No, I haven't. No, (laughs) I haven't. Right, so big game this weekend, Fulham-Bournemouth. I think looking at it probably three or four weeks ago, we wouldn't have looked at this as a big game. I think when we were um, you know, predicting how the month of October was going to go for Fulham, the Bournemouth game, we sort of scanned over and just chalked it, chalked it down as a win. Um, maybe slightly cocky at the time, but it's it's definitely taken on a lot more weight since we last spoke about this this game. Um our last two games have, have been disappointing losses for differing reasons. Um which we won't go into because we'll talk about it all night again. Uh, and on the flip side of that, Bournemouth have been really sort of quite impressive. Um, if you look at their recent form, uh, they had a 2-1 win against Leicester on the weekend. They drew 0-0 with Brentford, who are doing well this season. They drew 1-0 with Newcastle. We know that Newcastle are a good side. They beat Forrest 3-2, same scoreline as us. And drew 0-0 with Wolves. Um, previous to that, they, they did have some pretty heavy losses, 9-0 against Liverpool, uh, 4-0 against Man City and 3-0 against Arsenal. Um, and then their opening day win against Aston Villa as well. So it's it's almost a tale of two seasons for Bournemouth where they played those top teams right at the start and got absolutely flogged and everyone thought they were going down. Now that they're into a better run of fixtures, they're actually looking a different side. And obviously they've got rid of Scott Parker, who we all know about and we all understand Parker's uh, approach to the game. And we we can see that it doesn't suit the Premier League and it didn't suit Bournemouth in the Premier League. And having got rid of Parker, Elton, how do you feel Bournemouth have
1: done since they made that change? I look no question. Um they're actually enjoying a really fluent, um, a completely different second phase of the season, no doubt about it. And it's funny you're reflecting on um a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing the month of October, it seems like an awful long time ago when our hubris or buoyancy or overconfidence, I'm not sure what you want to call it, but uh, it feels a little silly now because we've had a pretty bad start to the, the month of October. Um, and, you know, we, we may or may not have uh, won those games, but I don't think we quite expected the score lines and, we 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 understand ten men and a couple of dodgy decisions, but still, Bournemouth have actually. Uh, you know, they. You're right. We we did gloss over the Bournemouth fixture and gave it very little time, but um, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting game. they they they're, um, they're, they're, they're what well, I'd call them fluent at the moment.
0: Sammy, a, a few weeks ago, we had a question come in asking if this was the start of a slippery slope for Fulham. After um you know the bad Newcastle result, and then obviously we had a bad result against West Ham on the weekend, do you feel like that is the case at the moment and and do you think that gives sort of um added importance to this Bournemouth game?
2: yeah, i don't I'm not gonna claim that I know anything that's really going on at Bournemouth. I probably know maybe like two or three of their players. And I really hate the phrase must win because I feel like it's a very overplayed phrase, but if there was kind of a game at the moment that I could call it that for us in terms of like a confidence point of view, I would say this is a very, very important fixture for us that will really dictate like the rest of the month, because we might get, um, Say, for example, if we win any of the games following Bournemouth, that would be great. But I feel that we really need this for the rest of our campaign. Also, it's a derby as well. So that's always a bit good. It's Scott Parker derby. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you have to feel for Silver. It must be really weird for him that, you know, when we've got our best 11 out there, like we did for the first, well, there wasn't even our best 11, but a good yeah. 11 for the first, uh, you know, three or four games of the season, maybe more, call it, call it six or seven games, um, it, it, you know, he, he must feel really pumped, very competitive. Uh, and and in the last couple of weeks, he must feel like he's got half a championship side out there.
2: It must as well, like, because um, was it Watford that this happened with in uh, the second half of the season where he really, really tanked? So it must be really weighing on him to... Have history repeat itself, and he, I feel like he's really got a point to prove with this Premier League season, and I really think that he wants this.
0: I think a, another thing as well, you know, two games ago we were four point four points clear of Bournemouth, looking really good. We've had a couple of bad fixtures, and all of a sudden we could be four points behind Bournemouth. Um, you know, you you do have to say that most seasons the three that come up. Are the favourites to go back down again, so you do keep an eye on the Bournemouth results and the Forest results because you want to be above them. Thinking they're people who, at the end of the season, are going to be below you, so you don't want to lose ground on Bournemouth. I know you know we've still had a fairly good start to the season. We we're still sitting in ninth spot on in the league, so we we can't be complaining too much, but it'll start to catch up after a while and you don't want to start falling four points behind a team who you want to be finishing in front of later in the season um, I'll just go through a few little stats that that I found about sort of comparing Fulham and Bournemouth so obviously both sitting around similar spots in the table both won three games Bournemouth have three draws to our two draws uh, we've lost four games Bournemouth have just lost those three games to those sort of you know top six sides so Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of goals scored per match, we're averaging one and a half goals per match. Bournemouth are sitting below one goal per match. So they're not prolific goal scorers. Um, Average goals conceded per match, we're sitting at two goals conceded per match. Uh, Bournemouth are at 2.2 goals per match. So Bournemouth's average scoreline is a 2-1 loss so far this season. Again, you have to take into account that they did get hit for nine by Liverpool and between Liverpool, Arsenal and Man City... What's that? They got hit for sixteen goals in those three games. Also, um, as
2: well, this would have been largely with Parker, wouldn't it? So it's when, really the, when they had victory. those three big losses.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Their, their stats on goals conceded are slightly off, but I mean, at the end of the day, they still did concede all those goals. Yeah. Um, one telling stat: they've had three clean sheets this season. We've only had the one, um, and we we create slightly more chances per game. This is talking xG now. Um, where uh, RXG per game is sitting just below one and Bournemouth is sitting at 0.5. So they're not creating good chances during games. And based on the amount of average goals scored per match as well, they're not taking those chances either. So there's, this is definitely an opportunity to, to sort of take them on. Um, as, as we've sort of all said, we don't know a huge amount about Bournemouth and their lineup, but what we can do is look at the lineup for the last game for Bournemouth. They play a four-four-two formation. Um, they have Neto in goal, who actually was linked with Fulham at the start of the season, and then someone at right. Uh, in fact, he was playing at left back on the weekend. Oh no, sorry, playing at right back. Uh, someone we know very well in Ryan Fredericks. Um, mm-hmm. Sam, are you a big fan of Ryan Fredericks?
2: Oh, I don't really remember him to be perfect, honest. That was um, it was that was Championship days, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and Premier League as well. but um, Very briefly though, right? Yeah, used- Elton, you might have a bit more of a memory because we watched a lot more of that together.
1: Yeah, I, I have good, good memories of, of him being part of, uh, you know, I think he played, what, 60, 70 games for Fulham? Or was, am I wrong there? Could be more than that as well. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a big part of the picture in, in some very mem- memorable times. I, I'm actually surprised he's still around. Uh, how old is he now? Uh he's thirty. He actually played hundred and six games for Fulham. Is he only is he games. only thirty?
0: Yeah, only that thirty. She
1: surprises me. Yeah, so he no, left Fulham no. four years ago when he was twenty. He's been around a long time. Yeah, so he, he went via West Ham, didn't he? hmm Um look. Am I worried about him? No. Am I um am I uh it, it, am I nostalgic about playing against him? Honestly, not really. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a mare for me.
0: Uh, I mean, the one thing I remember about him, he he's obviously very quick, uh, but his final ball was never good enough. Uh, and it's probably one of the reasons we let him go. Uh, he just didn't have that ability to deliver a really good cross into the box. He's not bad defensively, but I think when you're comparing him to someone like Kenny Tete, there's a, there's a big difference in quality there. He's a, he's a solid... He's a very good championship right back. I think he's done a solid job in the Premier League considering he's basically played Premier League football since for the last five years because he's played 60-odd games at West Ham and now he's with Bournemouth as well. So good right back, but again, nothing to worry too much about, I don't think. The Bournemouth back four of uh, Fredericks, Mepham, Adam Smith, who's the captain, and uh, Marcos Sinesi. Uh Again, look, they, they've looked more solid in the last few weeks. But I'm definitely not not worried about that defensive line. It's definitely not something that we won't be able to get through. I wouldn't have thought, especially if uh, Mitro is potentially returning. But obviously, we'll get onto the Fulham lineup after. Um, <clears throat> now, in midfield, we will see most likely uh, a couple in the centre: Lewis Cook and Jefferson Lerma. Sorry, you had a point.
1: My point was just to hark back to your stats comparison. I really feel when I when I hear that I really feel that, that there's something almost a bit off not about your stats but I I you know when when Fulham are at current season full strength our stats and my expectation of our stats are completely different and when we're not it it's just out the window so I I know I know everyone um You know, everyone's had maybe had a fairly choppy start to the season. If you think about the beginning three or four weeks of the season, you know, some really surprising results and very, very surprising people languishing at the bottom of the table. But I've got a point that I think, I honestly feel that relatively speaking, Fulham are suffering potentially worse than most in terms of injuries right now. But like really, we we had our two wingers out and we got over that and Bobby Bobby Decadova Reed and and Neeson's Cabana have done well for us. But you know, Metro out, um Polinia uh suspended, but Kenny Tete, Robinson, that's it's a lot. It's a big, big chunk out of our our our, our best possible team. Uh, I don't know how you're supposed to be competitive. You if you if you 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 know you You carve that out of the side.
2: Yeah, that in combination with like the obvious lack of depth that we have, because yeah, if there's a couple of injuries at like Liverpool or like Man U doesn't really mean as much, but for us it's essentially everything because it's been very clearly established that our second B squad just can't really hack it.
1: I don't know that it's realistic. If you if you just chop those players out of the side, I don't know that it's realistic for us to even talk. Uh, positively about Fulham's chances of staying up. I mean, I know it's not going to be like that, but if if those players are out, we are in huge trouble.
2: Yeah, I, I tend to agree as well because, like, obviously it's what we, like, last week we were talking about the idea of um, Luke Harris coming in and playing and some of the younger guys. I don't want to put my faith in those younger guys just yet when they really haven't proven anything to me, especially at Premier League level. But, as Jack, great as it would like, be.
1: You know, back to your point, Jack, where we were talking, you know, right early in this series about historically Fulham, great youth, they come through, we're scrapping around for survival and we just don't have the confidence or the table position to give these young guys a go. And wasn't wasn't that the case against West Ham, where actually Harris should have been, on, on current form, he should have been given a try. I would have liked to see him come on for sure. That's um, more sense than But, but that's, up the, that's the anxiety of a couple of bad results. And then suddenly your back's to the wall and you, you know, you, you, no longer feel expansive about, you know, yeah,
2: let's give Luke Harris 10 minutes, you know, even, even Stansfield, like um I know obviously he's gone on loan and such, but even Stansfield at the, um, the start of the season, that wasn't necessarily a risk because Stansfield's been around for ages. Like that. Yeah. It's
0: still a risk there when you play young players.
2: Yeah, but he's he's a, a lot more established than, say, Luke Harris, at least in my opinion.
0: So, yeah, look, Bournemouth's midfield. We will see Lewis Cook sit in the middle with Jefferson Lerma. Now, Lerma is definitely the more creative of the two. Lewis Cook is going to be the enforcer. Uh, If we look at, uh, I saw a stat before about tackles, and Lewis Cook isn't sitting that far behind Polina for tackles this year. Um, So we're definitely going to see Lewis Cook... uh, sort of running around and making those tackles and and trying to break up the play in the middle whereas Jefferson Lerma is going to be actually pushing the ball forward and creating a little bit more Uh, and then on the wings we're likely to see Ryan Christie and uh, Marcus Tavernier both start excuse me uh, Ryan Christie scored the goal against Leicester on the weekend Um, decent players again but you know like we said before and I don't want to just sort of talk about Bournemouth and say that they're they're no good but I think we we spoke about this not that long ago when we were looking at I think West Ham man for man and saying who would you rather have, and we talked about it with the Newcastle game as well and saying man for man which is the stronger team, when you look at this Bournemouth lineup compared to a full strength Fulham lineup at least man for man I'm seeing Fulham pretty much dominating this this lineup. Uh, onto the strikers, Bournemouth are likely to start with probably going to see Solanke and Billing again. Now we, we obviously, you know, know these guys. They they played in the championship as well. Um Sam, your thoughts on Solanke and Billing?
2: Didn't Parker compare Billings to Mitrovic, saying that he was just as good, if not better. That's like that's Solanke like it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that just being a ridiculous statement. Look, I'm pretty sure um like last time they played, they got goals against us and um they scored a Billing's scored against Leicester I'm pretty sure right. on the yep. weekend. And look, I mean he's credible attacking threat, but I mean, if you compare him to Mitrovic, I don't really think there's that much of a competition. But with that being said, they've um they've um broken through the defense of Riem and Tosin before. So I mean, it's a it's a very credible threat especially if they're coming off confidence um which they clearly are and we've our confidence is a bit shaken so I, I i see the game being a lot more even i yeah it's a it's a difficult one for me at this right
1: yeah i mean both those both those guys scored on the weekend I, i'm not sure if you guys have had a look at the game um christie's goals pretty scrappy to be honest i mean it was a mm. bit of a poach coach to tap in but uh, billings was actually quite a good strike um and I don't know if you saw these his previous goal a couple of weeks ago where he just got enough on a kind of deflection which at close range should beat the keeper. I mean, nothing that dangerous. I, I think I think they're okay. I'm not particularly bothered about them. But then again, um as much as we've become comfortable with our center backs and we 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 give high praise to Reem, maybe because we had such a low expectation of of what he might produce this year, and we like him and we love him and we love his spirit and effort, um, Tosin remains a worry. He, he does remain a worry. Um, so regardless of what we think about the strike capability of our opponent, you know, the the the, the facts are we're leaking goals as we keep talking about it. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a more even contest with these guys because they're not they're not world class. they're not incredible, but we are still prone to to uh, being a bit accident prone at the back. um God, I hope Kenny Tete is back um it's concerning me that they're they're not talking much about it and yet he's been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, very very little said about him. and in fact, Parker was talking about him almost being ready last week. So fingers crossed. Sorry. <laughs> oh that was a Freud. He, he, he that lives was a Freud rent incident. free
2: in your brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean Robinson, uh, unless we miss something, he, he should be back. So I'm not bothered I'm not bothered about their um their threat up front. And as you say, they're probably um creating fewer chances and scoring on average, less goals than us. Um, so, um, yeah. Oh, My, that that, that yeah. comment about Parker, Parker comparing was it Billings or Solanke? It was Solanke
0: last last season. Yeah.
1: Parker comparing anyone to Mitrovic doesn't rate to me because we all know yeah. by his actions what he thinks of Mitrovic. Yeah, true. Yeah. How how silly he must feel and look for a making those comparisons and b leaving him out, but you know.
2: My my thing, my thing with this game, right, is I'm pretty sh- I am all but certain that Bournemouth is gonna score at least one goal on us. My stress is whether that's gonna be enough or not.
1: Well, to, to, to Bournemouth's credit, last week, um Leicester scored after ten minutes. They were mm-hmm. kind of all over them a bit and they scored. And and then Bournemouth actually came back and and won two one.
2: Leicester uh, do have a really bad defense though.
1: But I know what you mean. I know. What you mean. Nevertheless, it 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 says something because, um, you know, I I rate any team that can come back after one 0 down at ten minutes. Yeah, it was it was also
0: a flurry of goals as well. They they scored two goals within three minutes. I think in that Leicester comeback. So, uh, I I'm always wary when a team can do that. You know, they get they get a bit of confidence building, and all of a sudden they're like right up on top of you and. Scoring goals, and I've seen that happen with our defence before as well, where we do get a bit leaky when we're under pressure, and you know, start getting pressed too hard. Tosin's not wonderful with his feet. Ream doesn't quite have the pace. Uh, it depends on who starts. But uh, I mean, let's actually just go in and talk about the Fulham starting lineup. So obviously there were quite a few changes last week. Four changes on the team. Um, we we lost Mitro. We didn't have Tete at right back. We saw the reintroduction of um of Anthony Robinson which was great um what are our thoughts on on the lineup this week uh, I mean obviously there's a few injury clouds but um Sammy I'll throw it to you first How, what would you like to see change from last week to this coming game
2: this would be my FIFA starting lineup um controversially I reckon take remount and then put Diop in that's my most controversial opinion I want to have um BDR, uh, right back. I liked him there. Um, That's that's assuming Tete's not fit. If Tete's fit. If Tete's fit, Tete in. But either between those two, I'd be happy with either or. Um, Oh, do I want to say, do I want Wilson to start? Yeah, I want Wilson to start. If he's fit enough, I want him to start.
0: With Cabano on the other wing?
2: Yeah, I like that. And
0: then we're assuming Mitchell up front as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, my sense is that Kenny Tete will play. Obviously, I don't know how I know that, but I, I'm I'm just basing it on the fact that Silver was intimating he was almost ready uh, two weeks ago. So unless something's strangely wrong, in which case I'm very concerned, uh, surely he comes back. Um, I'm... I'm probably going to leave. I'm probably going to leave the two centre backs as is, as In Tosin and and Ream. I still like what Tim Ream is bringing to Fulham. If I if I yeah. go back to those first half a dozen games of the season, um, just rhythmically, energy wise, I I really like what he's doing there, and I think um, he has a good presence, and I like that. I think Robinson comes back in at left back on the wings. I'm not ready for Harry Wilson yet. I, I think he' great to see him back last week. Feels like he's a long way from match fitness and sharpness. He didn't look sharp. Didn't look that confident. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think he's you know a week, a week, maybe another week away. Um, I would be happy with um, BDR and Cabana, not Dan James. Um, I, uh, you know, I think. I, I think Dan James for me has to perfect the art of being the impact sub off the bench. Yeah. Um, I would much prefer to see him really effective in that role. He, he, he concerns me in that he just, I don't know. He just seems to run out of ideas. Um, and he doesn't, he seems a bit down on confidence as well. And, you know, I, I, I say, Let's get back to um Bobby decadova reed and and uh, Niskin Scabana on the wings.
2: Yeah, the same stuff will always plague Dan James throughout his entire career. It's been the same at basically every single club that he's been at.
0: I, I think Dan James's strength is coming off the bench. He wants someone like that. We saw it with a k forty seven what three or four years ago, him coming off the bench <laughs> and just having that aggression and speed.
1: I mean, it, it one of and lack of and lack of in is that, Yeah, is sure, you?
0: but you you know, I remember it was the playoff final, the first playoff final, when he came off the bench towards the end of the game, and just we, all we did was smash balls forward, and he just ran like a lunatic around, chucking his body around, and I, I think having someone who can run as fast as Dan James has the ability to late in a game, he he's a decent a decent option off the bench for me. The lineup. I think the only changes you make are based on returns from injury. Mm-hmm. So I, I would probably start exactly the same, except if Tete was available, I'd start Tete. Um if Mitro's available, he obviously starts. Uh Pereira will start, Reed will start, Pelina will start. On the wings, I'd definitely start Cabano again. Um I actually don't mind Dan James over Deckwood over Reed on the wing and then bringing on Bobby late in the game. But again, I'd, I'd be happy with Bobby starting on the win too. I think the, the benefit of starting Bobby is he's been with the team for much longer. If him, Mitro and Cabana are up front together, I think they create a lot more together. So I'd probably mm-hmm. go with Bobby over James, but I, I I wouldn't mind either way. And then do you change the centre-back pairing? I, I'd probably keep it as it is. I think that you could make changes but I don't think they're warranted at the moment. I know we're shipping goals, so we probably should be considering changes, but <clears throat> I I've, I think Ream has done really well this season. I think Tosin's done really well. I don't think it's actually beneficial to us to to make the change. All right, guys, we're going to throw to a short break now. When we come back, we're going to give our predictions for the game and just talk about a couple of the Fulham-related things. <laughs> And we're back. So off the back of a couple of really poor performances, really poor results for us, uh, this is a big game. What's your prediction for the scoreline? I'm saying Fulham wins 2-1. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm probably it's a bit sad to just do the same, but uh, I'm thinking it's probably going to be a 1-0 win. I think this is going to be a tight game. I don't think we're going to have as many chances as we'd like. I think Bournemouth are going to not shut up shop as much, but I don't think they're going to be flying forward very often. And I, I think it's it's going to be on a knife edge for the whole game. I think both teams realise this, this is a big game at a, a bit of a tipping point in the season. We're, we're hitting that 10-game mark where you're kind of a quarter of the way through the season now. You want to make sure you get these results early in the year and not be scrapping for them late in the year. So it, it is a big game. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say a 1-0 Fulham win, but I don't think it's going to be an easy one by any, by any stretch. I think it's going to be a really tough fought game, and I think it's going to be a few yellow cards flying around. I wouldn't be surprised if Polinia picks up another one, uh, or Harrison Reid's got quite a few yellows to his name already. So, yeah, tough tough game coming ahead. Look, another bit of Fulham news I guess we can talk about, uh, which we, we sort of – a few messages flying around the other night when uh, – we saw the Fulham under 21s put seven past Leicester. Um <clears throat> one of the best things about that performance that I saw as well was the fact that Luke Harris scored two. I think he got a couple of assists as well. And then Ollie O'Neill scored a hat-trick as well. Um should we be utilizing these these young guys a bit more often? They're obviously performing well. They're doing really well in the league so far. And having a look at some of the goals they scored, the passes they're putting in, the finishes. What are our
1: thoughts? Do we start giving these guys a crack before blokes like Vinicius up front? You'd love to feel that uh, Luke Harris. To be fair to him, you know, it's it's sometimes difficult to relate under twenty one scores and happenings to the first team when your first team is playing in the Premier League. I think it's a big gap. But Luke Harris, to be fair to him, he, he's you know he's got an international call up to the whale squad i know it's not a, a call up to brazil but i i'd, I'd like to see silver have the confidence to roll the dice on him i mean you know as we as we talked about last week why 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 throw you know your big guy up front when you could have given luke harris an equal roll of the dice it'd be nice to see it wouldn't it even if even if it's only five minutes See what happens. Yeah, I don't think it'll
0: be long until we do see Luke Harris get some minutes. Um, he's got a hat-trick against Chelsea, scored two against Leicester and set up a couple as well. Uh, got to remember, like, you know, he's playing under-21s and the rules in the under-21s are that you can have, I think it's three, maybe four over-21s players. So Jan Vestergaard was in defence for Leicester yesterday, who someone Fulham almost signed during the transfer window. He's a, he's a first-team player for Leicester. He's not a young guy. So it's not like he's playing against other kids and dominating other kids. He's actually playing against you know proper Premier League defenders and scoring goals against them. I, I for me, I, I think we should be giving some of these guys a chance. I'd, I'd like to. I was really disappointed, like we we touched on in the last pod, that uh, Luke Harris didn't get a run out, especially when we're chasing a game. We're down two one. Why wouldn't you bring on some more attacking players? I get what um, Silva was doing, but I just would have liked to see us actually give give Luke Harris a crack, just see what happens. Like, game's already lost. Why not pull him on and, and see if he can get a
1: winner and become a hero? Or, or, or maybe maybe we need to get ourselves in a few more situations where we're 3-1 up and sure. you, you don't park the bus, but you bring Luke Harris on and say, knock yourself out, go and score, score a couple of goals. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, look just to finish up
0: as well i have got a couple of questions well one one question at the moment um if you could bring back any fulham player from who is still an active player and have them join this current squad who would you bring back
1: yeah look um might not be the greatest player to ever play for fulham and um but but how good would anderson be right now as a centre back how how handy would that be? No, I'd agree with that. He's he's doing really well. He did really well at
0: Crystal Palace. He's he's a really solid defender, and I I agree. I think he'd be perfect to come back into the side. Um, as you say, you know we we I wouldn't say leaky, but you know at the start of the season, looking at our lineup, I I would have probably said Areola. I think now in Leno, we've probably got a better keeper, which is saved a lot much. based on based on what we had previously, but um yeah, for, for me, I would be looking at again a youngster kind of like what you you went with, Sammy. I'd be I'd quite like to see Harvey Elliott come back. He didn't get a crack when he was a full player, really. He played those two games on as a sub and, and looked good, but looking at him now, he's so confident. And it's something I'd really like to see gone.
1: Angisa replaces Chalabar as a backup. Uh, and Geeser is—he's you know, actually yeah, having a Gieser's He's having really a blinder at the moment.
0: I—I I, I think that's a good call on and as well. My my reason for Elliot is purely because he's what only nineteen now. Maybe, um, he's he's getting a lot of games for Liverpool. He's looking really good. He'll be playing for England in the next couple of years, hundred percent. He's he's seriously creative. He's so confident, which I think we we just seem to be lacking a little bit with some of the kids when they do play for us. Carvalho showed it. Um, Definitely, last season Carvalho had that confidence. Cessignon, uh, I always felt like he he only had confidence from scoring goals, and he did score a lot of them. But he didn't take on players quite like you see Harvey Elliott taking on at the moment, which I really like. He's skillful, aggressive. Yeah, he's uh, But I think Anguissa is probably the better call. Actually, I'd I'd probably take Anguissa over over pretty much any of our past current. Uh, sorry. I'd take Angesa over any of the bunch of players who are still active, who have been at Fulham in the last few years. He's a real talent, and we just never saw the best of him, even though we saw him play really, really well. Him and Palinja together, uh, Harrison Reed just wouldn't play because how do you get past two blokes who are six foot two, six foot three, built like brick shithouses? is so skillful on the ball as well, so good with his passing. Palenia it would be yeah it'd be an incredible partnership it's a, it's a real shame we'll never get to see it
1: but what 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 we're actually speaking volumes here is about the how how i don't know i i actually think there's, there 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 are two in Mitro and Anguiza, there are two examples of terrible man management as nice a bloke as you think Scott Parker is and yeah. i i i reckon he's a perfectly lovely bloke Nothing yeah. wrong with him. But but it's interesting because, you know, you know, Silver is quite a hothead and he's a hard man and he's very competitive. He's quite aggressive. But I, I bet you when he puts his arm around a player and tells him, I want you and I'm gonna give you a chance and you're in my team, they really believe it. I I just think Parker lacked that and we there's more than there's more than just those two as well when you think about all those loan players that came in at, on that £120 million spending spree, there were some pretty pretty good players in there that we never leveraged properly.
0: Yeah, Loftus Cheek's a weird one. It's it's a surprising one because he obviously has a quality. He's got, I think he had an England cap, or he's been in, the, in and around the England squad for sure, but he just never looked, and again, it could be a Scott Parker issue, he just never looked like someone who was going to affect a game for us, never looked like he'd score a goal, never looked like he'd create anything he's obviously talented but it just never never clicked for him and I think a manager does make such a difference and we've seen it over the last six or seven years when we've had Jekanovic come in and, and play his style of football then we moved to Scott Parker playing Parker ball and then we moved to Marco Silva and you see the differences in how the teams play and how they set up and it's it's yeah it's an interesting one it it really is and, and it's quite an interesting thing to talk about as well because you look at some of the players we've had in the past and you do wonder what someone like Marco Silva could have done with Angisa, could have done with Loftus-Cheek who's obviously thriving under a different manager now um it's it's interesting I think you know when the when the World Cup comes around it's going to be something that maybe we'll discuss in a bit more depth um when there's not quite as much Fulham content floating around and we'll We'll look at some of the teams of the past and and analyse what what could have been. But look what we'll do now, we'll we'll wrap this one up for today. It's it's a massive weekend of football coming up, actually. If you look at the table, Brentford played uh Brentford played Brighton this week. Both teams are very close to us in the league. Um Everton are just behind us, they play Tottenham. Uh we've got West Ham below us. They've got a game against Southampton. They should probably be winning. Um, we've also got Leicester, who are just below us. They're playing Arsenal. You know, we we do have an opportunity here, if we get a good result, to actually give ourselves a little bit more breathing room because we, sh- we should be seeing a few results below us go our way for once. Um, uh, this, this could be a really important game for our season, which is weird to say only 10 games in, but... I really think this is a big one this weekend. So I'm personally really looking forward to it. Uh, It's another Saturday 10 p.m. game. Uh, So look, once again, thanks to everyone who's been listening to this podcast, everyone who's liked our Facebook page and our Instagram and our Twitter, uh, really enjoying interacting with everyone, really enjoying all the nice comments that are coming through as well. And um, it's it's starting to take shape. And I think we're starting to find our groove, which is... Always enjoyable, and this I believe is our tenth podcast as well. And I think there's a couple of stats that ninety percent of podcasts don't make it past two episodes. I think ninety-five percent don't make it past ten episodes. So well done, us. Please do get in contact with your questions as well. Uh, you know, we we love talking about Fulham. And we love discussing other points of view. It's really interesting to see how how people um, analyze Fulham from the outside and and analyze Fulham completely differently to us as well. So. We really appreciate when people get in touch and send through questions because it's something that we can discuss and hopefully you guys enjoy listening to. So Elton, thanks again for tonight.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. I'm keeping everything crossed. We need a seriously need a change of luck and I'm hoping it's this weekend.
0: Let's have a VR decision. Go our way this week. That would be nice. If, if Metro can just punch the ball into the back of the net, I'd love to see that one get just go slip under the radar. So look, Until uh, next week when we come back and uh, review the Bournemouth game. Come on you whites.